We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And joining me today, he's like ketchup, he's good on everything. It's the one and only Michael Kelso Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Couldn't tell you what Kelso meant. Wasn't sure if I wanted to fall. You never seen that 70s show? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Good, good. I just figured you had something up your sleeve over here. All right. I can definitely live with that. Um, but man, I'm doing good. Look, back off the weekend, dying for some pacer news, but we're grasping at straws. But Alex, we did get a little something. The Pacers preseason schedule has been announced. Yeah, absolutely. And this is all coming from their opponents as well, because the Pacers have not released their preseason schedule yet. Sometimes in the preseason, they do play five games, but I think typically for the Pacers, they only have played four over the last couple of years, if I remember correctly. So Looking at this, Fachi, on October 5th, we're not too far away from that, actually. They're going to be playing away against the Charlotte Hornets. And then October 7th, they'll be playing away against the New York Knicks. And tell us about that game and why it's important to you, Fachi. Well, I since I moved to the New York, New Jersey area, I will be in attendance for that Pacers-Knicks game. Itching to see the boys in action. I'll take what I can get. If it's preseason, you know what? Say no more. I'll be there. So if anyone is in the New York, New Jersey area and you want to meet up, go to that game, definitely let me know ahead of time. Let me ask you this. I'm not sure if you know off the top of your head, but how much more expensive is it to buy a Knicks ticket than it is to buy a Wizards ticket? Oh, I thought you were going to say Pacers. Uh, the Wizards are cheap, but the Knicks, just so you know, in uh, when the Knicks played the Pacers in the playoffs, let's say this is back in, in 2013, um, it was cheaper for us to travel to Indiana and buy tickets than it was to remain in New York 
and buy tickets to the game. So oh, it was like wow. the cheapest ticket for the Pacers was like, I want to say it was like $20. And then the cheapest ticket for, for the Knicks all the way in the nosebleeds was like $150. Good so grief. massive difference. So, so basically one Nick ticket was equivalent to paying for my whole group of friends that made the trip. So yeah, uh, yeah big difference. Well, let me just ask you this real quick, because I know you've had some pretty good seats in Washington, D.C., watching the Pacers-Wizards game. I mean, are you expecting uh, – are we expecting Fachi to get those level of seats <laughs> I don't York? know, man. It, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, the Knicks are definitely a much more desirable market than the lowly Wizards. So, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not sitting too far up. But the one thing that works in my favor is it is preseason. So in New York, there's a lot of other things going on. But for me, there ain't nothing more important than Pacer basketball. So I'm going to try to get the best seed possible. And I think preseason gives me an opportunity because come the regular season, oh, it's going to be tough. This would be a great time to plug our YouTube page because if you want Fachi to get closer seats, we need more subscribers on YouTube so we can start monetizing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, for real, though, everybody, that's it's going to be fun. I'm glad Fachi's going to be able to go to that. But um, if you want to watch the Knicks and you want to watch them, in Gambridge Fieldhouse, you can wait five more days because October 12th, the Pacers will have their first that we know of home preseason game against the New York Knicks. So we'll be doing a little bit of a, a little mini series during the preseason. And then October 14th, they'll round out that preseason against the Houston Rockets. So, I mean, you're looking at it. These are all teams that missed the playoffs this year, Fachi. So, um, you know, good, good chance for them to test the waters and kind of see what they look like. It would be pretty classic for the Pacers to go 4-0 in preseason and really kind of like make you be like, wait a minute, is this team not that bad? But at the same point, I don't want to look too much into preseason games, but you brought up a great point. With the Pacers usually playing typically around four games, some teams playing more. As of now, at least just announced, Pacers have those four games. But I'm looking at it, the Clippers only have two preseason games announced, obviously more to come, yet the Lakers – I have six. Mm. So we are all over the place. Obviously, for the Lakers, I'm sure they're trying to really squeeze that out, um, you know, get as many, you know, televised games and stuff like that. But it just doesn't make sense that some teams have two games, some have six, some have four. I don't see the Pacers having more than, you know, I think this is it. I believe it's just going to be four. And the Lakers are probably trying to wait and play six games so Russell Westbrook can go off all six games and hopefully raise his trade. Very possible. I mean, good grief. I mean, do you think LeBron or AD is going to be playing in all six of those games? Highly doubt it. Um, so other than that, though, that's that's pretty much all we have news-wise is just that. And, um, you know, it, it's it's, a, it's slow news around here right now. We're in the middle of October, or excuse me, August, looking at the October schedule here. We're in the middle of August. You know, we're waiting for football season to start. Everyone's getting their Fantasy football team is ready, and we have our fantasy football draft scheduled for setting the pace. I try to wait as long as I can until the season's about to start, Fachi, just so you know who's injured and who's not. Because if you draft too early and you get somebody that gets hurt in preseason, then you're kind of just screwed on a pick. So I try my best to wait on that. Fachi did not want to be in the league for whatever reason, guys. So if you want to heckle him about that, um, but have no fear. Fachi is uh, name will be involved in one of the divisions, actually, oh, man. for – for the setting the pace fantasy football league, but we have 16 teams involved. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm going to try my best to get all of our players that are actually in the league this year on the pod or on the YouTube page at some point. Fudge. 
Yeah, man, I just cringe at the idea of knowing that you will you will get my name involved in there some some way that I have no influence on. But hey, that's man, your choice. You decided hey, not to be in it. I know. I already got a couple of leagues. I just could not take on another. It was it was becoming a lot on Sunday. So I definitely appreciate everybody that is joining the league. You know, thank you very much. We appreciate you guys as listeners. And you know, Alex and I were already cooking up some ways to reward those that are going to be in the league so we'll we'll have an announcement later on in the year but definitely appreciate you guys yeah so just real quick i'll go ahead and read off the divisions we have the pace setters we have four divisions because there are 16 teams we've got magic mics i like that one oh man we got the golden guys and then my favorite division is fachi's wizards i knew that was coming there's just something in your voice that i just had to brace myself and just be like all right Lay it on me. What do you got? So, you know, there it is. But, hey, look, if we can make you guys, you know, laugh, have fun, anything of the sort, you know, we're always here for it. Absolutely. Well, real quick, Fachi, before we take a break, let the people know what we're going to be talking about today for our main topic this episode. So we are back with a similar topic that we unveiled last week. We're going to be setting goals for the centers this year on the Pacers. So we're going to go Google Pataze, Daniel Tice, as well as Miles Turner, on a few different goals that they should have for themselves, but obviously we'll be assigning the goals this year. Did you do three again this time? You know me, man. I just <laughs> cannot stop myself from breaking the rules. So I okay. went with three this time, and I know you got two. Yeah, so once again, we will have five goals for each player. They will be different, and it'll be fun to talk about. So let's go ahead, Fachi. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back to discuss the centers and their season goals. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, we're here to talk about our season goals, talking about the centers, and we're going to start things off with one of the longest tenured Pacers, surprisingly, Goku Batadze, Fachi. Can you believe he's been here this long? I really can't because it seemed like year after year it might be coming to an end. And, you know, going into this season, there was definitely question marks, but it looks like Goga most definitely will be on that roster going in opening night. <laughs> yeah, I think he's second longest tenured right after Miles Turner, surprisingly. So that is just – it's just been a weird four to five years for this Pacers roster and the amount of turnover they've had. But let's get into it, Fachi. I want to hear one of your goals that you have for Goga Batadze. I mean, simply put, just consistently be in the rotation. I think for the majority of the last few years, Goga's had large spurts where he's just fallen out of the rotation completely or received something like, say, under six minutes of playing time. I know that's a very odd number to really look at, but I I crunched numbers. Goga made 50 appearances last year. 15 of those he played under six minutes. Yeah. So, you know, it's really just one stretch, basically. Uh, Gogo would also play in 26 games last year of 10 or more minutes. So you you could just see the vast majority of those was when the Pacers really had nothing to play for. So I would like to see him consistently be in the rotation from the start. Yeah. Are you expecting him to get the second unit uh, minutes at that starting center or that backup center? I, I would like to. Like, look, obviously we know that Isaiah Jackson can play the four, can play the five, but as in terms of a primary backup center, I, I think that, you know, Goga's probably going to – you're going to want to see more out of Goga than you are out of Daniel Tice, I would say. Yeah, I'm just curious how they're going to find a way to, like, get all those big guys' minutes because you still got Terry Taylor and you got – Isaiah Jackson, and there's a chance you could play O'Shea at the four. You could even slide Jalen Smith up to the five at times. So I'm not saying that that's where they're going to permanently play him, but you know they have a lot of flexibility with that five position. And obviously, Miles is going to get a good look at the starting center position as well. We'll talk about him later and Tice. But for me, I just I don't know how consistently he's going to be in the rotation, and I don't actually know if it's the best thing for the Pacers. It's obviously the best thing for Goga, and don't get me wrong. But in terms of like the Pacers and what their big their long term goals are, like, do we really envision Goga being a long term piece for this Pacers team? I do not. I do not. And that's why it's even hard for me to imagine him as the primary backup center. But like, can he carve out a consistent role? Is basically overall what I'm getting at. But yeah, when you when you went through the bodies that you did, I mean, all those guys rightfully do deserve playing time over Goga. Yeah, and and you know what's funny is, like, we all thought last year, like, O'Shea should get playing time probably over Craig or, you know, potentially over Jeremy Lamb, and he didn't. I I know the goal was to win last year a little bit at the beginning, so maybe that skewed things a little bit, but would not surprise me if for some reason Tice was getting more minutes than Goga because, look, even when they traded for Tristan Thompson, he was getting minutes. So, you know, it's like... I can never predict what's going to happen with Rick Carlisle, so I try not to predict, you know, rotation stuff. But uh, I'll move on quickly to my first goal here for Goga, goal number two for our five. I want him to crowd 225 rebounds for the season, Fachi. I know that doesn't sound like a ton, but last year, like you said, in 50 games that he played, he only had 177. And how many games did you say again that he played six minutes or less? Uh, That was in 15 of the 50. Okay, so he still played 30, 35 games, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, where he got more than six minutes. So 
I think he can be a more aggressive rebounder than he is. I'm not saying he's not he, when he gets the playing time, he's not terrible. So I just want to see him get a little bit higher. So that's about a you know 50 more rebounds this season, but that would also include him getting more playing time, which it's it's tough to predict. But I think if this is a year about development, then hopefully he can get more minutes and more opportunity throughout the 82 game regular season to at least get to the 225 rebound mark that I have set for him. Man, Goga's got the size to do it. He really does. So you would think that it's it's a very obtainable goal. I mean, 225, I mean, he's obviously not going to play 82 games. But it, it say that if that was a sitch, that's averaging 2.7 rebounds per game. So not it's much. like, <laughs> you know, we know that Goga can do it. But say, look, you know, say he plays in 65 games. That's averaging basically three and a half rebounds per game. So it's just like. Man, it's a real obtainable goal for Goga. So you'd like to see him take that step forward, even if it's not a leap forward. Even if it's 50 games, it's only four and a half rebounds per game. So it's not the most. You know, it's like, man, come on. At this point, we expected those numbers years ago, to be honest. Yeah. They told me this guy was NBA ready. I remember they said he was one of the most NBA ready guys coming in. They say that every year. Come on. I know. I know. Man, do I feel lied to. But – uh, next on my list, I have simply come into camp in the best shape of your life with something to prove. This is a contract year, and Alex, we talked about if we don't see Goga on the Pacers moving forward, it's not a guarantee that Goga's picked up elsewhere. Mm. Sure, a team should take a flyer on him, but it's not a guarantee. In recent years, it felt like Goga had visa issues, uh, unfortunate personal matters, you know, in his family, even injuries. It felt like there had always been some hurdle in the beginning of the year that set Goga back. And it always felt like, hey, year two is a big year for Goga. Nope, there's an issue. Year three, hey, nope, nope, he's not going to be there, you know, in, in, in training camp or, you know, summer league or, you know, preseason. No, he's got an issue. It's just like, we got to get this guy off to a good start because this is the biggest year of his life. No, it is. And I think, I think we talked about this with Turner a little bit you know, during the offseason, like, yeah, it's a contract year. We want you to go out there and prove yourself. And, you know, it's it's live or die right now for Goga. And I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity like we talked about, but I hope that he just has a good year. I really wish the best for him because I think there's talent in him for sure. I just feel like he lacks self-confidence and he's always hard on himself. And I think he put so much pressure on himself because He's trying to prove that he's worthy of the minutes that he's not getting. So by doing that, it adds an added pressure to him. And personally, I like, you know, you talked about having him in the rotation. Like if he just has the comfortability of knowing he's in a, you know, consistent role, I think he'll be better. We've talked about that for the past three years, probably since we drafted him, but man, Fachi, I mean, you're right. I don't know what teams are going to have a lot of interest in him. We're already seeing the center market kind of, you know, dwindle as we speak. I don't really think he's a good, you know, switching guy on on defense. He's more of a, a drop coverage kind of guy. Good rim protector for, the, you know, decent, not great, but decent rim protector. Um, not a good three-point shooter. Had a pretty efficient season last year actually around the basket if we if we were look at his numbers, but man, I just I just wonder like is there going to be a team that really gives him a chance to carve out a role in the NBA? I really do not know. As of now, it doesn't look great. Look, I, I think he's definitely shown more than TJ Leaf, but TJ Leaf was out of the league after that. He had like a cup of coffee with 
the Portland Trailblazers, and then he was off to China. Cup of coffee. A cup of coffee. So yeah, not a glass of coffee. Not, like you not said, a off glass there. of coffee. I don't know why I made that comment to Alex at one point, but I called it a glass of coffee. So I'm going to out myself on that. But he <laughs> said, know. "Yeah, I'm addicted. I get a glass of coffee every morning." I said, "Like a glass of coffee." Who says that? Hearing it back, it sounds painfully awkward. But I did say that. But man, like TJ Leaf, that was it for him. And like, I, I don't see him coming back. So Goga, he's proved a little bit more, but not much. So I can't say that he's definitely on an NBA roster next year. But uh, I did have another goal. Yeah, same here. Ready. Yeah, I got so one too. You talked about blocks. Decent shot blocker. Not great. But there's something there. Mm-hmm. Now, Goga last year averaged right around a block per game. I want to say it was 0.9. So it was, it was 0.8. And that the year before was 1.3. But we're going off of such small sample sizes. Anyway. Goga had 12 appearances of two or more blocks. Then he had 11 games with one block. So it felt like the blocks came in bunches. So basically it means that he registered at least a block in 23 of his 50 games. Yet there was times where he had four games with three or more blocks. So consistency. I think he's an underrated shot blocker. He needs to be more consistent with it because it it is, it is, you've seen enough of it to know that Goga can block shots, but he doesn't do it frequently enough to be able to be considered a shot blocker. Then also, if there's one guy on this Pacer roster that comes close to a block but gets whistled for a foul quite often, it feels like it's Goga. Because (laughs) let's be honest, it's Goga. Not Embiid, not a veteran who's earned that whistle, but he gets the whistle against him. So if he can continue to develop as a shot blocker, I think he can carve out a role for himself. I think the reason the Pacers drafted Goga at the time was because they wanted to have a rim protector when they took Miles off the floor. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like what they talked about when they drafted him. Like, you know, Sabonis is going into the starting lineup. He's not really a rim protector. We know when Miles is away, you know, off, you know, off on the on the bench after he comes out of the out of the game, that there is no protection back there. And so, you know, they felt they felt like Goga could do that. Now they have Isaiah Jackson, who's a pretty good shot blocker himself. So you have to wonder, like I said earlier, like what do they what do they view Goga as? But I will say this: we talked about it when they were trying to create that cap space to go out and get DeAndre Ayton. We said, well, it would make sense to, you know, flip Daniel Tice or potentially flip Goga because if you flip Goga, you would have had almost enough money to reach that you know max level contract that you or that max level money to offer that contract. So. The fact that they really didn't offload Goga Batadze when they could have, I, I think there would have been enough teams out there like San Antonio would have made a ton of sense with all the cap space they have. They like, you know, international players, and especially big guys. I could see them having interest and basically just doing the pace with the favor to give them the money. So honestly, like I was kind of surprised by that, but I think overall it just speaks volumes. So the Pacers still believe in him a little bit. He is their guy and they're probably trying to give him a chance, but Real quick, I'm going to tell you my last goal for Goga. I'll let you uh, share your thoughts on what I said. But, you know, Goga last year shot the best he's ever shot from three-point land, Fachi, and it was a lowly 28.8%. And if you watch Goga shoot the ball, it looks good. Pretty Every single time it looks good, but it doesn't go in. So I'm not asking a lot for Goga. I'm not. But I wanted to shoot 33% from three this season. It's an improvement from last year by about 4%. I'm not asking him to be this lights-out three-point shooter. I'm not asking him to take a bunch of threes, 
But I want him to be a little bit more consistent from out there because if he does open that part of his game up just a little bit more, I think it's going to make him more of a threat and it'll give Coach Carlisle more of a reason to play him if he can occasionally knock down a three but also be a decent rim protector and low post threat. We talked about the shot is pretty. It should go in, and Gogu was painted as a three-point shooter coming out. We we felt that that was one of his strengths, block shots, hit threes. It was like, oh, wow, like, okay, great. We have not seen that. But I remember last year, you know, when I lived in the Washington, D.C. area, I'm like, we've gotten out there, do not live there anymore. Um, (laughs) Gogu was just jacking up threes uh, in pregame. And I remember literally saying to myself, like, what are you doing? You can't even make it when it counts. And that game, he shot three for three. I'm looking at it right now. That game, he actually went seven for seven from the field, dropped 20 points, went three for three from three-point land. So it's like yeah. I, there, there's flashes of it being there. You're talking about getting them to 33%. That's really doable. That's not making them an elite three-point shooter. We're not asking for a lot. But by being a 33% three-point shooter, it shows that sometimes the ball can at least go in. They can respect your three-point shot. I'm sorry, but if you're shooting you know, 19% like he shot as a rookie, I, I mean, that's that feels like, like what Dwight Howard could do from three. You know, something like yeah. that. That's not the category you want to be in as it relates to Dwight Howard shooting threes. Yeah, any other category, it'd be cool if Gogo was in the Dwight category. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think that pretty much, you know, puts a bow on our conversation about Goga and his season goals. Let's move over to Daniel Tice now. This is a guy that we really haven't heard too much about, and I'm not sure what the Pacers are going to do with him. I feel like it's going to be an interesting time with Daniel Tice as a Pacer. It could be kind of similar to Tristan Thompson. Um Maybe more so like a Jordan Hill type of year, Fachi, you know, where it's just like a one-and-done type of thing. But talk to me about Daniel Tice. What's your first goal you have for him? All right. My first goal for Daniel Tice is to actually put on a, a Pacer jersey. All right. <laughs> so, I, physically, I want to see him wear the jersey because I just don't know if it'll ever happen. And we talked about it. Look, it's a small thing. But the Pacer social media team leaving Daniel Tice out of the photo doesn't make me feel overly confident that this guy's here to stay. <laughs> now, maybe it was just a mistake, whatever it is. You know, the goal right over here is, is this guy actually a Pacer or not? That's where I'm starting at. Well, let me ask you this, Fachi. If he does play for the Pacers and he does wear a jersey, once he's traded, do you promise to buy an off-the-rack, 70% marked off Daniel Tice jersey for the memory? Is it a Pacer jersey? Or it has is it to like be. A, it has to be a Pacer okay, jersey. Because I was going to say, I got no interest in like a Houston Rockets. No, no, no. Like, I mean, if he's on the Pacers, so legitimately they have a jersey for him, will you buy it if he plays for the Pacers this year at all? It's heavily discounted all of interest because down the line, people will be like, what? A Daniel Tice Pacer jersey? That's fresh. You know, but like th- there's, there's, a, there's a certain like criteria you got to fit into that it's got to be a guy who barely plays for a little bit who we thought would never happen then at that point it becomes fresh oh man that's too funny okay um so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna stay here a little bit connecting these two players the one we just talked about and this veteran coming in daniel tice i want daniel tice to take gogo batadze under his wing and help mentor him i think having another international big man on the roster um obviously sabonis is international to a certain degree but you know Daniel Tice being an international big man that can kind of take Goga under his wing 
try to help him. You know, Daniel Ty spent some time in Houston last year, obviously on a bad team. So he's similar to the, you know, he's familiar with this role. I would love for him just to kind of take him under his wing and give him that self-confidence that he needs and, you know, really just be there to help him get better. Because I think, you know, whether you like Daniel Tyus or not as a player, um, there's a reason Brad Stevens was intrigued in getting him back last year. He did help them out in the regular season for Boston and a little bit during the playoffs, but he wasn't playable in the finals, obviously. But he still was an important part of that team. So I think with all that experience, it'd be really good for him to kind of just take Goga and Goga be a sponge and absorb all that information and all that knowledge. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, I think at that point, it's, you know, he's a true veteran, it mm-hmm. feels like. Like, Miles is a young veteran, you know, right around 26. At least Tice is 30. feels like he's been around. He's been on winning teams. You know, there's a lot that Goga can learn from. Same with Turner. So, I think that that would be, you know, super intriguing. Uh, next, I'm going to say stay healthy and be ready because you just might be part of a package deal. So, at this point, I think it's important for Tice to be able to be ready when called upon. But obviously, if something happens and Tice is, is kind of, uh, you know, banged up, hurt, not available, I think it's going to be a little bit hard. It's going to be hard to move him in any deal. And you know a move is coming at some point because Pacers still have to, to hit the minimum amount of salary in the NBA. They're quite a bit off from that. <laughs> did you accidentally steal mine? I did not. Okay, you must have overlooked it because I said stay healthy too. Uh, but I added, I added that he should get some rotational minutes sporadically um, to keep his legs fresh. So the reason I say that is like when you have a guy that's just sitting on the bench, you know, collecting dust, it's only going to devalue him a little bit. I think if he gets out there and plays, I think he actually started um, about twenty games last year for Houston, if I'm not mistaken. I know he played twenty six game in, games in Houston before he was dealt to Boston, but. You know, I think just getting him rotational minutes, proving that, hey, he's, you know, a guy that's willing to play a lesser role on a team that's trying to lose, trying to rebuild, it will help his um, it'll, it'll help his value across the league as well. I think there's going to be teams that do call about him just because of his veteran presence. And I'm not sure what the Pacers are really hoping to get out of it, but if they can maybe get a second-round pick out of it or potentially a, a young player that a team's ready to move off of, they don't feel like kind of like similar to Goga here with the Pacers. The Pacers kind of figure like feel like there's a team out there that's trying to win now, and they maybe want to part ways with a young player or someone of semi value compared to Tyson in his future. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacers looked that route, but I, I just want to see him get some rotational minutes sporadically, not all the time, but maybe like every five games, give him the backup center minutes just so he's out there, you know, breaking a sweat and getting an opportunity to showcase his game. It's true. I think over there, I mean, I think Al Jefferson was playing more than what we're anticipating for Daniel Tice when Al Jefferson was a pacer. But yeah, we don't want someone just completely rotting, being able to get in there from time to time, especially if there's injuries. I mean, we've seen, you know, Goga miss time. We've seen Turner miss time. I mean, there there is an opportunity for Daniel Tice as the emergency center. So then my last one, because it's really hard to come up with a bunch of goals for Daniel Tice, was basically just... Overall, I mean, veteran role model to everybody. I know you mentioned taking Goga under his wing, but I crunched the numbers. Tice has started 22 playoff games. And you look at the Pacers, Miles Turner has started 23 playoff games. That's the most Mm -hmm. on the team. So Tice has at least played a few games in an NBA Finals. So 
it's just like he can just be a pro. Just if you go about it, you're a hard worker at practice. If you're early all the time, I think it could help set the tone for the center position right over here. You already talked about what it would mean for Goga. I think it could help Turner out as well. It could help Isaiah Jackson out. I mean, it seems like that is going to have to be, you know, a spoken role, something that's understood of like playing time might be hard to come by. But if you're a great veteran on this team, there's a role for you. And if we can't, we'll get you to a winning situation. So with that, be a professional day in, day out. Show the youngins how it's done. Absolutely. And I don't really think there's too much else to say on Daniel Tice because we are still waiting to see if he actually does don that Pacers uniform. But let's move over to the guy that we've talked about a lot this offseason, the longest tenured Pacer on the team, Miles Turner Focci. Start us off here with your first goal for Turner this year. So this one, uh, I think, is, is is one that people sleep on a little bit, but improve his perimeter defense. Look, yeah, we one. know Miles' rim protection is beyond elite, but the reason why he doesn't get any, he doesn't make any of these all defensive teams, is because that perimeter defense is just it's far behind his rim protection, and I don't think it's ever going to be even with his rim protection because then he'd be one of the one of the greatest defenders in the world. But it's like. Ideally, you don't want Turner to have to defend by the three-point line, but it will happen at times. There will be switches. And if Turner really wants to make those all-defensive teams be a defensive player of the year, that is the next step to his game. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, obviously, when you look at Miles Turner as a player, you do love that rim protection. But sometimes, I mean, there was a video today that I don't know if you saw it on Twitter or not, but it was a video of Russell Westbrook going off against the Pacers. And I was just laughing because you got Brogdon and Sabonis and all these guys, Jeremy Lamb, like guard them like seven feet beyond the three-point line. I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, but there was times when Turner got switched in that pick and roll and Russ, man, he just had his way with him. I mean, we know Russ is a quick guard, so there's no doubt about that. But Turner just kind of got himself – you know, he was stood up too much. He wasn't sitting down in a defensive position. So, yes, he's going to have to get better on the perimeter defense. I think that's a huge goal for him, and I think it's something he needs to improve upon to help his contract as well. I think another thing that's going to help Turner get a bigger payday is if he can get double-digit rebounds per game this season. You about lost your mind when I predicted he would get 10 rebounds. I almost chair when that happened. You said 10 rebounds? I, I would love to see it because that that's been what we've been waiting for seven plus years, man. <laughs> double digit rebounds. I mean, that would really get you noticed. Prove to us you're a double double guy. I think that the rebounds will actually help his defensive, uh, all defensive teams. I, I really do. It's going to help his case because if he can be a rim protector as well as a good rebounder, it only strengthens that he is limiting chances for the other team to score. And, that's going to be huge for him in that regard. Also, it's going to be huge for him in his payday. Couldn't agree more. I really do think, you know, between the perimeter defense, improving that double digit rebounds right over there. I mean, that's really rounding out Turner's game to be more being more than just a shot blocker who can shoot threes. So I think that is the next step. Uh, next, I would say, you know, come into camp with your body in the best shape possible with a target of playing 70-plus games this upcoming season. I'm not going to pencil him in for 82 or 80. That's just something you just don't see anymore. It's yeah. very rare. But, Alex, what's the best ability? A lot of people say availability. Ability. All right. So if Turner can remain healthy, 
Give us 70 out of the 82 games. That's enough for him to fetch a bag, as the kids say, in free agency. So mm-hmm. the constant knock, knock on him is his inability to stay healthy. And if you want to you know, crunch the numbers, he hasn't topped 47 games played in either of the last two seasons. That's close to playing about 50% of the season. And he's only played in over 65 games just twice in seven seasons. So I think Turner has a lot of money to gain if he can play in 70-plus games this year. Are all 70 games with the Pacers? I, I That I can't determine. To be determined, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, so my last goal for Turner is an interesting one because I had a hard time. I was trying to find the actual statistic of how many times Miles Turner has been utilized as they pick and roll man. I was super busy today, so I didn't really have a great opportunity to look it up. But what I did find was last season, Miles took the fewest attempts at the rim in his career with just 115 attempts. However, he converted on 86 of those attempts for a 74.78 or 78 percentage at the rim. So about 75 percentage, um, you know, success rate at the rim, which is the highest in his career. This year, Fachi, I want to see Miles set a record for the most attempts at the rim in his career. His previous high was 296 attempts in his second season. So last year, 115, his highest is 296. So he's got a long way to go from last year. But I think now that he's the solo center in this group with Jalen Smith playing next to him, a guy that's, you know, better on the perimeter probably than he is in the low post. I want to see Turner be utilized more as a role man. I want to see him do that. I know he is most comfortable in the pick and pop situation, but I think he can be more, you know, dynamic down low than he's proven over the last couple of years. I'd love to see it. I mean, I read something that it was like each of the last few years, his two-point percentage has gone up. Fortunately, his three-point percentage has gone down. So I I think that that would be great if you could use him more in the pick-and-roll situation. So I'd love to see that. Also kind of brings me into uh, my last point when I talk about that three-point percentage. Get back to being the real efficient three-point shooter that you were. The last three seasons, Turner has shot between 33 and 34%. That's far from elite. Lonzo Ball, a guy that got ripped apart for being inefficient. Yes, he's a guard. The last three years has shot between 37 and 42%. And people were giving him, you know, give him the business for it. So sure, it's different. Turner's a big man. and But if he can, if we can get him to shoot 36, 37%, that doesn't seem like we're asking a lot, but that's going to do a lot for him. And the reason why I know he's capable of it is, A, he's done it before. But, B, we've also seen him at the 40% mark from three halfway into the year on numerous occasions. And something that I remember, which a lot of people I think forgot, was he a couple of years ago, back in 2018, 2019, he was nearly the first player in NBA history to average three blocks and shoot 40%. Instead, that number ended up creeping down to just a hair under 39%, and the blocks went down from 3 to 2.7. So he was in nearly historic territory, but at this point, you know, that was almost four years ago. Yeah, no, that's that's some great points, Fachi. And I think, I just think overall Turner can be a a better three-point shooter than he has been. And I think with the playmaking of Halliburton, it's only only going to help because – you know, not having the double bigs, it'll be interesting to see who guards him this year because I think 
when Sabonis was the primary, you know, guy for the offense, you saw a lot of teams put their center on Sabonis and they put a wing type player on Turner because he was mostly standing out in the corner, you know, a lot of times on the perimeter. So now with Jalen Smith playing the four and and Turner playing the five, you have to wonder, are they going to revert back to putting the center on Miles Turner and how that will help? Because we talked about it with Goga. I mean, if you put Goga in a pick and pop situation, it's going to take a lot longer for him to recover on that kind of a on kind of a defense where Turner can get a better look than let's just say a guy like Thad Young, right? If Thad Young's guarding that pick and pop and they, they have to switch, he'll be able to recover and step out on Turner a little bit quicker because he's you know much quicker on his feet than a slow footed center like a player like Patazzi. There's a bunch of centers that are a little bit more slow footed. Even a guy like Jokic is not like a, a super crazy closer like that. So. I think utilizing uh, utilizing Turner in, in that role is only going to help him, uh, hopefully being able to be guarded by the same position that he plays. So other than that, um, I, I think that this could be a really good year for Turner. But at the same time, you have to wonder, the biggest question mark is, does he let all the outside noise from the offseason impact his overall play in Indiana? I, I like to think that he's gotten better with it. It took some years. It took some, you know, deleting or suspending the social media at times, maybe going on a trip, whatever it is, he's got a lot to gain that, you know, like we talked about for Goga, biggest year of his career, same thing with Turner. I mean, there is a lot of money to be made. He has a chance to be one of, if not the top centers in free agency. Um, but it's going to come down to, you know, things that we talked about staying healthy Increasing your three-point percentage, maybe your perimeter defense, your your you know your attempts at the rim. So there's a lot that can be you know Turner's in a really good situation over here. Best point guard he's ever played with. He's now the the lone center. He's not splitting with Domas. Everything is adding up to this should be a career year for him. It's just a matter of how much is he going to take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. That that's the million dollar question. But here is the most important question of this podcast, Fachi, for our season goals to tie all three players together. My question is, who is the most likely to be a Pacer at the end of the season? That is a really good question with this group. (laughs) Man. Uh, I I really don't know because I just think that Goga's not going to have the trade value. Uh, Turner is going to have the trade value while entering a contract year. And then all of a sudden you got Daniel Tice, who's the wild card of wild cards. The only guy with real money committed after this year. So. Yeah. Oof. I guess, I guess, man, it's so crazy because part of me is leaning Tice, but there's also the, the closest part of me is leaning that Tice never even wears a Jersey, Pacer Jersey. So. I don't know if I give you a straight answer. Man, all right, just just give it to me, your best answer, because I was going to say Goga. I was leaning Goga at first. I was leaning Goga because I think if they, if they trade Miles, Goga can can finish the year as like the the starting center, and like maybe they debate what they're gonna what they're gonna do, or, or he's the primary backup. Like he's still young enough; he's twenty three. So I guess I'll say Goga, but even you know, I guess yeah, I guess, I guess that's where we're at. Man, that's a tough one, man. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Turner. I mean, I, I think we all kind of anticipate something's going to happen, especially like if the Pacers are not 
on the same terms in terms of like an extension talk. So we'll know more as it gets closer to the deadline, obviously. But I'm just thinking <laughs> long term, like that is an interesting storyline to keep an eye on. Like what center survives? <laughs> um, what center is a pacer? I, I think Turner's proven that he's the best survivor in the league, probably. In terms Real of good survivor right there, honestly. I mean, that man has weathered some rumors. What'd you say? That man has weathered some rumors. Like, it's just, he's still kicking. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about it. So that'll be interesting. But, Faji, I think this is a good time to wrap up the the conversation for today's show. Let the people know where they can find us at on the social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you could find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Once again, everybody, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Going to have some great content up there for you. But if y'all are excited to pour a nice glass of coffee and watch the Indiana Pacers in the preseason, and say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com